Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. For all you elk hunters out there, Chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. From Mediator's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Weekend Review, presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to steeldealers.com. Now, here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. 2,000 New Jersey residents lost power last week after an osprey dropped a fish on a transformer. What appears to be a Menhaden, or Bunka, was instantly flash-fried, and local residents lost power for a few hours before crews were able to restore it. A spokesperson for Jersey Central Power and Light said that while animals can sometimes cause power outages, fish are not on the list of frequent offenders. They continued, quote, We also send our thoughts to the Osprey, because if you've ever dropped your ice cream cone at the fair, you know the feeling. Not to be outdone, the local police department posted an image of the fish on Facebook covered with Do Not Cross Police Tape. They also included a sketch of the osprey, which they labeled Suspect. The caption read, quote, Today's power outage was a major inconvenience for so many of our residents. Please let us not forget the victim in this senseless death. Gilligan, who we'll assume is what they named the fish, was a hardworking family man. He was a father to thousands of children. The suspect was last seen flying south. If you see him, do not try to apprehend him. Although he isn't believed to be armed, he may still be very dangerous. If you have any information in this case, please contact Detective John Silver, who handles all of our fish cases. That's a reference to Long John Silvers, for those of you who uh, aren't familiar with the fast seafood chain. I, of all people, can appreciate a good animal joke, and a not-so-good joke, too. For more credit that I can dole out to these uh, local agencies, they did skip the obvious Godfather references, being that they're in New Jersey. Um, Leave the gun, take the cannoli, would have been my caption of choice for the fish picture. 
or possibly uh, sleeps with the fishes. Like the offending osprey either missed a meal or is delivering a message to someone at Jersey Central Power and Light. Anyway, glad to see at least some of our public servants still have a sense of humor. This week, we've got Dogs Gone Wild, Black Vultures, Legislation, and Texas. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. And my week, well, things are ramping up. My heart is breaking in at least two directions right now. I've got doves flying over my head, an elk screaming in my dreams, a little yellow girl dog whose happiness is my responsibility, and a desire to burn my lungs on mountains and test my increasingly old back under the wet, hot, dead elk weight. Responsibilities are tough, darn it. This late summer time frame is terrible on me. Every morning that seems a degree or two cooler creates a high, a bit of euphoria, sets me up. But we all know that the inevitable 90-degree September day that seems impossibly hot will be a crushing low to those highs. That day that transports you back to mid-July, when you couldn't even dream of elk songs or brand new birds winging in from parts unknown, then we wake up and September is gone. How the hell did that happen? You wait so long, and it's gone in the blink of an eye. So we better make the best of October, and birds with long tails, and endless strings of croaking cranes and invisible snow geese overhead, and the first young mule deer pushing does, then it's November. A wonderful month on its own, but a harbinger of the end. Do we make the most of our season? There's not much left. I want to hike in the thigh-high snow for lonely bull elk, lay in the frozen mud making eye contact with Snort as she tells me what direction the honking geese approach the decoys from. Highs and lows, the big trips, the short scouts after work, the early mornings, the endless coffee, the precious rationing of coffee in Spike Camp. The plucking, the misses, the cuts, the flushing of birds, hard fought and hard walked, the flushing of seed pods from weeping brown Labrador eyes, EMT gel on cracked pads, the heartbreak of sneaking out the door without her. Not that you can ever be without her. Those hairs are everywhere. Opening day approaches, and like all hunts, it's a marathon with intermittent sprints. Keep your powder dry, your feet warm, and your dogs healthy. And one last thing before we hit the news. Huge, huge thank you to everyone who shared and bid in the Auction House of Oddities. Even if you didn't contribute cash, if you shared that thing around, thank you so much. If you talked about the Land Access Initiative and Wildcat Bend, thank you so much. It was a huge success. We had a goal of $50,000, and with your help, we were able to raise almost $160,000. That's preliminary cash dollars figure right now. I'll get uh, the official write-up later. All of which, all 160-ish K, every cent, will be going to Pheasants Forever's Build a Wildlife Area Program as 2023's Land Access Initiative recipient. The Wildcat Bend property is located on the lower Yellowstone River here in Montana, and it's an absolute gem. Access to hunting and fishing, where no access existed before. Cannot thank you all enough. Now, we're not jumping up and down just yet. We still need to clear the Montana Fish and Game Commission and the State Land Board in order to seal the deal. 
There's still about $40,000 left to wrap up the purchase of the property as well, which you can definitely mail in to Pheasants Forever. Just note that as Build a Wildlife Area Montana, and uh, it'll go in the proper bucket. And outside of Montana, the Build a Wildlife Area program exists in your state more than likely, if not in multiple places in your state. And again, more than likely, there's probably a wonderful chunk of ground that you would be more than happy to support. So be on the lookout. Uh, You can also volunteer in a bunch of different ways with groups like uh, Pheasants Forever. This conservation work is never done. Write in and let me know how I can help in your neck of the woods. Uh, I'll have a full write-up on this particular project at TheMeatEater.com as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's a great way to start our season. On to the news. Feral cats get a lot of flack on this show, rightfully so, but they aren't the only pets that kill native wildlife. Feral dogs aren't as concerning because, let's face it, they're not as skilled at killing birds, reptiles, and small mammals, but they still cause a lot of trouble. The Yucatan Times reported this week that feral dogs are a bigger threat than poachers to sea turtles on the Yucatan coast. The Sea Turtle Conservation Program told the outlet that they've received at least seven reports of dog attacks on loggerhead turtles since April. Of these seven attacks, four turtles died on the spot, three received veterinary treatment, and only one survived. In comparison, they said they haven't received any reports of poaching in the area. The organization credits local law enforcement for capturing and punishing poachers, but they say more work needs to be done to encourage dog owners to not abandon their dogs on the streets. They also encourage residents to consider adopting stray dogs, and they'd like to see an awareness campaign urging owners to spay or neuter their animals. Sounds like we need to resurrect old Bob and send him down to the Yucatan. Some of you will be too young to remember this, but the beloved host of The Price is Right, who just passed away last week, uh, rest in peace Bob Barker, Uh, would end every episode by encouraging his audience to spay or neuter their pets. Barker became the face of a movement that began in the 1970s to urge pet owners to have their animals fixed. When that movement first started, fewer than 10% of dogs and cats were spayed or neutered, and the kill rate at shelters was almost 90%. Today, between 80 and 90% of dogs and cats in the U.S. are fixed, and fewer animals are finding themselves in shelters. Protecting native wildlife isn't the only reason to keep track of your furry companions. They also stand a good chance of being hurt or killed if they're allowed to wander unattended. In Utah, for example, officials are warning pet owners to be responsible after mountain goats killed three dogs in the past three weeks on Mount Timpanagos. The Timpanagos Emergency Response Team posted a note on Facebook urging dog owners to keep their animals from chasing mountain goats. In one incident last week, a dog was off-leash and harassed a mother goat with kids. The mother goat was none too pleased about being hassled by the canine, so she did what you'd expect a mountain goat to do. She pushed the dog off a cliff. The post doesn't offer details on the other two incidents from this month, but it does describe another attack from 2021. In that encounter, a dog rounded a corner and surprised a mountain goat who ran the dog down and threw it into the air. This dog survived the attack, but not before sustaining some pretty nasty puncture wounds. I can tell you from personal experience, the tips of those horns are sharp. The emergency response team reminded visitors that allowing dogs to chase goats carries fines similar to poaching. Quote, on the mountain, goats and wildlife have the right of way. We are guests in their space. The mountain goats on Timp are usually very mellow and will walk fairly close to people. 
please keep your distance, even if it means delays on your hike. Now, you might be asking yourself, how can you oppose free-ranging dogs and support hunting dogs at the same time? Hunting with dogs requires them to be off-leash, but that doesn't mean they're no longer under their handler's control. GPS collars allow hound hunters to know where they are at all times, and they can be called back if needed. There's also a right time, right place component to this. If you are in a hardwood Virginia forest hunting black bears on public land, you are in a place we've agreed to allow dogs to hunt off-leash. Your dogs might still run into dangerous situations, but you know what the risks are, so it's up to you to justify them. If you're on Mount Timpanogos or the beaches of Yucatan, that's a different story. You're in the wrong. Don't let your dog run around off-leash. The dangers and the risks to sensitive wildlife are way too high. That's my take, and I have off-leash dogs. If you want to chime in on this one, write in to ASKCAL at TheMeatEater.com. Which of you listening right now took a class in school about Family Finances 101? No one? Yeah, me neither. Just like the importance of a will or college savings plan or even life insurance or estate planning, we have to know these things. But how do we figure it all out? That's why I'm excited to partner with Fabric by Gerber Life. Listen, one of the few things expected of you in life is to not let other people pick up after you. That's why I have life insurance, to make sure my stuff is taken care of even when I'm gone. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You could be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash cal. That's meetfabric.com slash cal. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash cal. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of six sick folks or you open your medical emergency kit you match your symptoms to the doctor recommended prescription and you start on the right meds right away these medical emergency kits not a first aid kit all right it comes with doctor prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues so on hand strong antibiotics for infections of all types plus a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when no waiting to see the doctor no waiting at the pharmacy it's all in there every home should have at least one medical emergency kit order yours online in minutes your kit will be rushed to your door get 15 percent off at twc.com health slash meat eater but you got to use the promo code meat eater that's promo code meat eater okay at twc.health slash meat eater 
O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. Moving on to the Vulture Desk. Farmers throughout the Midwest are reporting that black vultures are preying on newborn livestock. According to a great report by Kansas City's NPR station, the large birds normally migrate from South America through the southeastern U.S., but milder winters have allowed them to expand their range over the past decade in Missouri, Indiana, and Illinois. Vultures aren't normally birds of prey, but they'll take a meal wherever they can get it. Farmers report that vultures have killed and then eaten calves, lambs, and piglets, which has cost those producers hundreds of thousands of dollars. Ranchers in Oklahoma lose $200,000 worth of livestock each year to vultures, and a farmer in Missouri said he's lost $10,000 worth of calves to black vultures this year alone. Vultures are federally protected under the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, so ranchers can't simply hold a vulture, shoot, and call it a day. However, they do have some options for dealing with the pesky critters. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service offers depredation permits to ranchers that cost $100 and must be renewed each year but the agency recently launched a program that gives states the ability to issue a certain number of free sub-permits. These sub-permits allow ranchers to take a specified number of vultures, usually about five per year. If you've ever seen a group of vultures, you know that knocking off five every 12 months won't do you much good. By the way, because I know you're wondering, a group of flying vultures is called a kettle. Vultures in a tree are called a committee, and a group of feeding vultures is called a wake, which is pretty cool. And now you're also geared up for the next round of Mediator Trivia. Anyway, to get the most out of their yearly vulture quota, ranchers are encouraged to hang vultures in effigy. And that's not a joke. Ranchers hang vultures upside down with their wings splayed out, and they report this tactic is remarkably effective. One rancher said that 99% of his vulture problems have gone away since he started making an example of offending birds. Vultures are intelligent, and they know when they're not welcome. Of course, not everyone is convinced that this tactic is the best way to handle the situation. Marion Wall, a doctoral student studying black vulture management at Purdue University, believes ranchers should focus on non-lethal deterrent methods. These could include moving herds closer to humans during calving season or shooting off fireworks to scare off the vultures. She also points out that sometimes vultures take the rap for a murder when they're just at the scene of the crime. Newborn livestock die all the time, so it's not always easy to tell when the vultures killed the animal and when they're just being good garbage men. And that's something to keep in mind whenever we're talking about carrion eating birds. Vultures, buzzards, and other birds that eat dead things perform an incredibly vital function in our ecosystem. Can you imagine 
if everything that died on the landscape was left to fester and rot over weeks and months. Not only would this make the world a smellier place, but it would also increase disease transmission. Vultures consume and digest bacteria-laden meat, and then they stay away from humans. Other scavengers, like dogs and rats, live in homes, towns, and cities. If we had to rely on these critters to deal with dead animal carcasses, you can bet we'd have a lot more cases of rabies and other deadly human diseases. In fact, the decline of vultures in India and the subsequent rise in the feral dog population is thought to have contributed to the rabies outbreak that was estimated to have killed 48,000 human beings from 1992 to 2006 in India. Ranchers shouldn't have to worry about losing their livelihoods to vultures, but these important birds deserve our respect and protection. Finding that balance isn't always easy, but that's what wildlife management is all about. Moving on to the Deer Desk. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department issued an emergency order last month in response to an uptick of CWD among the state's captive deer herds. But the deer breeders are pushing back. They say the new rules are unreasonable, and one of these breeders has launched a legal battle to take away the ability of state biologists to cull or kill captive herds. Deer breeding facilities in 14 Texas counties have recorded CWD cases since 2021, and CWD has been detected in nine facilities this year alone. Texas Parks and Wildlife officials say this is an unprecedented rate of increase, and they worry captive deer could infect the state's wild deer herds. So, the agency issued an emergency order requiring all deer to have an external identification tag at all times and be tested before moving to a different facility. Prior to this, deer only had to be tested for CWD before being sold to a game ranch, and those deer could have their ear tags removed. Officials say these new rules will allow them to more easily track the spread of the disease and prevent CWD from spreading between deer breeding facilities. The owners of these facilities are none too happy. The rules make it more costly for them to operate, and they argue the regulations should have been passed by the state legislature rather than Texas Parks and Wildlife. Still, they do have an interest in keeping CWD out of their facilities. One positive test can destroy an entire business, so they want to make sure their deer are disease-free. But one breeder is fighting not only against these emergency orders, but also against the ability of state biologists to order the culling of entire facilities. Texas is somewhat unique in how it handles captive deer herds. While some states have outlawed captive herds entirely and others treat captive deer like livestock, Texas classifies captive deer as wildlife. This means that the owners of these facilities don't have the same property rights as livestock owners, and it gives the state broad latitude in how they handle positive CWD cases. They've ordered entire herds killed based on a few positive tests, and the number of captive facilities has dropped by more than half since 2014. Multiple deer have tested positive at RW Trophy Ranch in Terrell, Texas, but the ranch's owner, Robert Williams, has refused to cull his herd. He's been issued notices that wildlife officials plan to euthanize the deer in his pens four times over the past two years, but every time, he and his legal team have convinced judges to stay those orders. Now, he's waging multiple legal battles, including one that could end up at the Texas Supreme Court. His basic argument is that because he has a property interest in the deer he raises, he should have more say in whether those deer are killed. 
He told the Huffington Post that the fears about CWD are overblown since most deer don't live long enough to die of the disease in the first place. He also argues that wildlife officials don't test enough deer to prove that the state's CWD problems are being driven by the captive herds. He even argues that the larger whitetail industry in Texas is trying to put ranches like his out of business because he grows such giant bucks. He said, quote, it's because we raise bucks with huge antlers, and if we were only raising little 160, 170, and 180 inch bucks, none of this would have ever happened. I mean, this dude is raising enormous deer, and I suppose somebody like him could say that a 160, 170, or 180 inch buck is a little deer, but brothers and sisters, uh, we do not share that perspective. Anyway, CWD was first discovered in Texas in 2012, and there have been over 500 positive cases since then. 85% of those positive cases have been discovered in captive breeding facilities. While I'm sure there are many cases in free-ranging deer that simply go undetected, it's easy to see why some hunters blame the captive facilities for the problem in the first place. The National Deer Association issued a call to its members to support the emergency captive deer regulations, and the organization says moving captive deer between facilities is contributing to CWD spread. The facilities argue that the deer are tested far more frequently than wild deer, they also say that controlled breeding programs are one of the ways we might be able to leave CWD behind. Biologists have identified genetic markers that make deer less susceptible to CWD, and some breeders are cultivating those genes in their herds. If successful, they argue that project could produce a generation of deer that contract the disease at a much lower rate. To all my Texican listeners, I want to hear from you. Should deer breeders be allowed to keep their herds even if they get infected with CWD. Let me know. A-S-K-C-A-L at TheMeatEater.com Moving on to a quick-hitting policy desk. In Oregon, animal rights activists are once again trying to get IP3 on the ballot. IP3 would criminalize injuring or killing animals, including farming, ranching, hunting, fishing, trapping, pest control, and research. It would also outlaw breeding practices by categorizing them as sexual assault. I should probably define breeding practices. For a lot of the uh, general, you could call them like old-timey cattle operations, that simply means putting a bull out with cows, a male beef with female beef, and letting them, you know, make a more out there in the field on their own. That is what a breeding practice is, which, you know, if IP3 were to pass, would uh, be defined as sexual assault, not uh, cattle getting it on with cattle. Uh, anyway, these groups tried and failed last year to get a similar measure on the ballot, but they only need 120,000 people to sign on to put it up for a vote in November. In Michigan, a federal judge accepted a consent decree that will allow five sovereign Michigan tribes to expand the use of gill nets in the Great Lakes. Sportsmen's groups, such as the Michigan United Conservation Clubs, argue that this will harm the whitefish and lake trout populations. The new agreement will dictate fishing policy on the lakes for the next 24 years. In Connecticut, residents are trying to figure out when and if to defend themselves from the growing black bear population. 
The legislature passed a bill recently clarifying that someone may kill a black bear if the bear is about to injure them or their pet or has entered a building occupied by people. The state does not have a bear hunting season, but hunters say such a season would encourage bears to stay away from humans. The bill also prohibits intentionally feeding bears. Jumping over to British Columbia, grizzly bear hunting is illegal in British Columbia, but a new grizzly bear stewardship framework proposed by the province's Ministry of Forests could be the first step in reversing that ban. While the framework does not actually change policy, it does acknowledge that many First Nations tribes want the hunt to reopen. Some of them ran guiding and outfitting services, and they were hit hard economically when the province banned the hunt in 2017. BC bear hunters stay on top of that one. Man, grizzly bear hunting in BC is a wonderful, wonderful experience, and those bears taste great. New Mexico is also considering a proposal that would increase the black bear quota from 804 to 864. Biologists say this represents about 10% of the population, but research suggests the population could handle as high as 14% harvest. Animal rights groups argue the quota should be lowered, not raised, because, well, bears are cute and fuzzy, and what kind of sicko would ever want to kill a black bear? The roast beef of the woods. That's not a direct quote, but it's pretty close. Also, contrary to what animal rights folks would prefer, the New Mexico Game and Fish Commission is considering a proposal that would keep mountain lion hunting quotas the same in all but one management zone. That's all I got for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to write in to A-S-K-C-A-L, that's AskCal, at TheMeatEater.com, and let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods. On top of that, go get yourself a steel chainsaw. I mean, you know you want one. If you're curious, go to www.steeldealers.com. Find a local, knowledgeable steel dealer near you. Slide in there. See what they got. Maybe uh, let them know what uh, type of issues you're facing in the woods this uh, hunting season or around the house or thinking about the long, cold winter ahead. They're going to get you set up with what you need, and they won't try to send you home with what you don't. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order i'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill meat from those organs are among the most nutrient rich foods on the planet you can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.